A little whisper in your ear or a huge crash down to earth, a lesson in love is life's way of nudging you in a new direction. Welcome to the Lessons in Love podcast with me, Carly Ann. I'm a self-esteem and relationship coach and I wholeheartedly believe I am here to help you break through the very relationship struggles that so many of us face. Through my own personal experiences and other people's inspiring lessons, I'm showing you that we can change and we can break free from toxic patterns in love. Inside this podcast, you are going to hear what has shaped successful love stories and healed heartbreak. I want you to know you are not alone, you are not crazy, you are not too much. This space is for the woman who is done with believing she needs someone else to be whole. The one who has had enough of not feeling enough, who is not willing to let her past or any more of her future, who is waving goodbye to a fantasy relationship and hello to the healthy, extraordinary love she deserves. This is where you learn how to become the most secure and irreplaceable version of yourself. Hello, welcome to Lessons in Love, where today you're going to be listening to two single dating coaches talk to you about some really, really good juicy topics that I think we all need to hear. So Ali is a positive, practical dating coach who's built social media channels with over 180,000 followers. She conducts one-to-one coaching as well as group seminars. Ali believes that finding love should be the same as any other major goal. We can't expect it to fall into our laps, nor can we expect the same approach to work for everyone. Using actionable, targeted strategies, Ali will help you define what you're looking for and then go and get it. Find her on TikTok and Instagram, Finding Mr. Height, or online, www.findingmrheight.com. So in this episode, we talk about meeting someone online versus in real life. I know this is a conversation that comes up a lot. We all have our own preferences, but I absolutely love our take on this. What to do when you get those feelings of giving up on love and it just all becomes a bit too much so that you can take care of your happiness on this journey. We talk about anxiety in the early stages of dating. Is it too needy to show you care? We talk about ghosting and blocking because how can you talk about dating without it? And much, much more. So let me know when you are listening. Let me know your key takeaways, your golden nuggets. Find me on Instagram at carly.an underscore come over, tell me what you're taking away from Lessons in Love, because I love to hear it. Hello, Ali. Hi. I know I've just said this, but thank you so, so much for being here. No problem at all. I'm excited to chat. I'm glad we were able to work out a time that worked for both of our time zones. Yeah, absolutely. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm in the middle of my work day, so don't tell my boss. I also just watched the first episode of the new season of Married at First Sight, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with the show. Uh, I'm obsessed. And the first episode, like the weddings are just full of like hope and optimism. And so that's the mindset that I have coming into this chat. (laughs) Yes. Do you know, I have to be honest that I haven't got into it. I don't know how. There's a time it was 100% my thing. So I don't know how, but I can tell you that my like chat group is always full of it. 
it's so good. I, I'm obsessed with it. And like later it gets good because there's drama because, you know, total strangers are marrying at first sight. Is um, it the Australian one? No, That's there isn't. Awesome. I'm watching yeah. the, the American one. Yeah. Which yeah. is on like season 13 or something like oh, that. It's wow. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have one as well. We do have. One. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, I think so. Anyway. Um, yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. Thank you for being here. I am going to tell you the reason I asked you to come on. So I always ask people to come on my podcast that I just find really inspiring. Like, I love your work. I love what you're doing. Yeah. But the thing especially that I love about yourself is, I don't know if this is true, but it feels like you, there's no second takes. It's just like, this is what I'm saying. This is it. This is what I think. And yeah, I kind of envy it really. Yeah, there are very few second takes. Like, I would say the only time I have a second take is if I, like, literally stumble upon my words, which honestly happens a lot. So so I guess I should say there are many second takes, but only because I'll be in the middle of a sentence and then be like, bleh, bleh. <laughs> like, wait, I can't, I can't post that. Yeah, I, lo- I honestly, that, that, that just comes across so, so well. I haven't even told people what you do yet, but there was something in particular that you, somebody said to you recently, I think it was like a question about, um, are you going to give up on love or do you ever think it's not going to happen? And you said, Hmm. I don't worry about it. It's not that I don't think about it, but I'm doing everything that I can. And I was just like, I love that. How, like, that's just real, isn't it? That's what it is. Absolutely. People ask me that, that all the time, you know, how do you not, so I'm a dating coach. People, people ask me that all the time. You know, how do you not give up on love? Because I'm also I'm a single dating coach. Do you ever get discouraged? Do you, you know, all of this stuff. And of course, I have moments when I get discouraged or moments when I feel a little sad. But I don't worry about it in the broader sense, I guess. I think about it, but I don't worry about it. Because I think a lot of anxiety comes from the fear of the unknown. Like not knowing what's going to happen. Not knowing if you're going to achieve that goal of finding a long-term partner. If that's your goal, as it is mine. But I get a lot of comfort in knowing that I'm doing everything I can. Mm, that's it, isn't it? So yeah, okay, I should get you to introduce yourself, shouldn't I? But I think it's because we do quite similar work. And the other thing, the reason I know that people who, so this podcast, particularly around kind of like anxious attachment, fear of abandonment, insecurity, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you experience, not personally, well, I don't know, but um, certainly people that I'm sure that you work with and we do like quite similar work and I think that's why I just yeah I've gone straight into it so um yeah tell us about what you do yeah so I'm Allie um better known probably as Finding Mr. Height I uh, originally started I'm a dating coach now but my account originally started as just a blog of my dating life and I was getting a lot of advice inquiries on Instagram of you know friends of friends that wanted advice and and I started to realize that there were legs to this and that my experiences and all the and a lot of the research and reading that I've done about the dating space and work on myself because I I do experience those things that you just mentioned I ha- I tend toward anxious attachment and I have had a lot of anxiety in my dating life that I've worked through in therapy shout out to therapy but I started to realize that this potentially had legs as a business and so I launched my dating coaching business about seven or eight months ago now and. It's, yeah, it's been a little bit of a wild ride. Oh, this is my cat, Logan. I like. <laughs> I didn't realize it was so recent. Yeah, so I, um, I, uh, I, if I, if I try to make him go away, it'll get worse. So no, I just kind of let him, I love let him hang out. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I started posting on Instagram at the beginning of 2020. I decided I was going to make 2020 my year of vulnerability and just say, this is pre-pandemic. This is like January. And so I just said, you know what? I, I want to meet somebody. I'd gone through a really terrible breakup in 2019 and I'm just going to put myself out there on Instagram and start talking about my search for meeting somebody. And that's where Finding Mr. Height came into play. It's really just a pun. I'm six feet tall. So my friends were like, oh, you're not looking for Mr. Right. You're looking for Mr. Height. Um, so then it just kind of morphed from there. And I've been dating for a really long time on and off in relationships. And I just, I felt like I had something to offer, if not just my own experience, but also, you know, things that I've learned along the way. And, you know, people said, hey, I, you know, I like your advice. You should do this as I make this a thing so I did that is incredible like I thought you had been doing this for years like that's Hmm. how great like what you do is and how you come across um not that like you you know people have been doing it six months are great but you know what I mean like that is so so impressive like good for you thank you it's funny because a lot of my friends that I've known for a long time are like oh this makes so much sense because you've always given such good dating advice like within our friend group so I guess you could say that I the concepts and the things and the advice that I'm talking about, I haven't developed that in the last, I mean, I've been developing that over years of, you know, talking to other people and kind of being that person that my friends came to for advice. That's part of the bit that I envy, actually, when I watch you, it's, um, when I watch you, it's weird, isn't it, the world we live in, is how open you are about now, like you said to me, you, you play a sport, don't you, and there was some like cute guy or something recently. Yeah, well, I played story and I was like, that's so current, like, I don't do like current stuff too much, but maybe I, I don't know, maybe I should. It's been interesting so that I play, I mostly I play volleyball, but I also play in a softball team. So there was a guy who had subbed for my softball team two weeks ago, who I thought was super cute. And we were totally vibing during the game. Like the other girls on the team were like, what's going on with you and that guy? He winked at me at one point. So I, yeah, I got his number from my friend and I texted him. Turns out he wasn't interested, but so I've sort of transitioned the way I talk about my personal dating life. I used to, I mean, that's how it started, right? Like it started, my account started as an account of my dating life. And as I've morphed into more advice, I've kind of tempered that a little bit, but I still talk about it. Obviously everything is de-identified and anonymous, but I feel like that that, you know, kind of me being out there too and experiencing this stuff too, I think helps people connect. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, this isn't coming from a vacuum. Like this is coming from me trying this stuff. Yeah, I totally get that. And because I, I know that's why a lot of people relate to the podcast, because I'm so open about it being my, yeah, my experience with anxious attachment. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think I was leading to that earlier, actually, but I lost track, which was um, that because you're currently single, I, I know that, yeah, listeners will attract that. I have a lot of people on the podcast with like, great, great advice and do great work. Uh, they're not, I don't think that many of them are single, so yeah, it's incredible to like, yeah, get, have that energy from you. I think that'd be amazing. And basically so far, what people are hearing is me get like business advice from you on how to have a better. <laughs> but it's so no, impressive. You... people will follow you. People will come and follow you just based it's... on like, yeah, how just open. It's just so helpful. So helpful. Oh, thank you. Oh yeah. And on that note, so yeah, I'm at finding Mr. Height on Instagram and TikTok. TikTok is where I like really kind of took off. And then I kind of translated that into my Instagram. Okay, that makes sense. I'm not on TikTok. Well, I've got TikTok, but I'm not on it. If that makes sense. I, I love TikTok. It's so fun. But um, yeah, so I think, 
and I do my the original iteration of this account where I was just talking about my own dating life like that had a sort of natural end point right like if I were to get into a relationship then it would have ended and I really like that this has legs and people often ask me you know what's going to happen to finding Mr. Height when you start dating somebody and my answer is nothing like my stories will be different but the advice doesn't go anywhere the account won't go anywhere whoever I'm dating is going to have to be okay with that yeah I actually sometimes think that we have to make sure that's not a bit of an internal block as well to meeting someone do you know what I mean that like what will happen to the business if I meet someone absolutely and that's why I think I've positioned this to not this this my business is not hinge on me being single in any way yeah you know I think I have funnier stories maybe because of it but I don't think that that's the core of why people follow me for the funny story 100% 100% so tell us a bit about your your love story I know you've sort of touched on it already but tell us a bit more so I have been my I say my love story is sort of a a dating app story I have I've been on dating apps since I was in high school which I'm 34 so that was quite some time ago I was like a beta user of dating websites at the time apps didn't exist so I have always I've always had this mindset that I wanted to find love. Um, I've never been a, a really a good at casual dating. I've never been good at casual relationships. That's never been my thing. Not that I haven't done them, but they just haven't worked for me. And so I've always been on dating websites or dating apps or out there in the real world trying to meet somebody. And I've been off and on in relationships. I've had like three or four serious boyfriends. My longest relationship was a little under two years, but I just, I haven't, I haven't found my person yet or a person that's going to work for me. Cause I don't like to think about soulmates as a one-to-one. I don't like that concept, but my love story has been a series of stories that have developed who I am and led to this perspective that I have now of, of what I'm looking for and you know, what I want out of a, a relationship and a partner and what I'm able to offer that person as well. Mm. So there's so many things I want to ask you about. Let's start with the apps. Because again, I'm not your Instagram's biggest fan right now. The app, from what I've seen, because I'm on and off them all the time. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily advise people to follow how I am with the apps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on and off. It helps actually, little trick. I have them on an old phone and that oh. really helps because it stops me deleting them. So I go back to that mm. phone um, then I'll check. Obviously, it sometimes means I'm a bit slow with <laughs> with getting back to people, but I think people kind of understand that. But yeah, it stopped me deleting them, which is good. I like that. An energy thing, I think. Yeah, that you got to protect your energy. And I, I really like dating apps. They have worked really well for me in the past. Almost all of my serious boyfriends have come from dating apps, except for one. Uh, see, that's interesting because mine never have interesting yeah so I think that that makes a difference yeah I've seen good success with it and I think I actually feel really lucky that I live in a time where I can meet more people than I'm going to see on the street like I think that that it opens up a world of possibilities literally um which also you know there there are some downsides to that where you know some people have a okay what's the next best thing mentality or you know what else can I find out there mentality so I think you do have to be careful about that but I I really like that I like that the people that I'm going on dates with are not people that I ever would have met that's really cool 
Okay, that's a mindset, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Do you have a bit of a system, like, to sort of, like you say, protect your energy or how many dates you go on, things like that? I don't know if I have a structure in place. I try not to be actively using more than two apps at a time. Okay. So I really like Bumble and Hinge. Those are my two favorites. I also have Tinder, but I don't really use it. I also have The League, but I don't really use it. I really just use those two. The League... I don't oh, know the if it league. exists internationally. Yeah. It. It's not great. I don't recommend. Um, <laughs> so I like Bumble and Hinge. So I've, I've selected those two. I like Bumble even more. So I spend more time on there. And I, I direct my efforts in those places because those are the places where I've gotten the most return on those efforts historically. And I just kind of like check in with myself. So I'm not somebody who ever, I've really never, unless I'm in a relationship, delete the apps. But I definitely go through time periods where I don't look at them very often. And I kind of like check in with myself on how I'm feeling. And if I don't want to open Bumble, I don't open Bumble. Something interesting. I think I noticed this last year, my deleting, downloading was going with my cycle. So mm. when I was wanting to download it and get on it, like I could see it just be, because I was just like, what is going on? And then it just became really clear. It's completely aligned with my cycle. That's hilarious. I haven't heard that before, but it makes sense. I mean, your hormones are doing all sorts of weird shit. That's it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. Yeah, it is a mindset. And do you know, and the thing is, is I, um, I know so many people that have successful relationships, whatever that means, but successful relationships from the apps. Absolutely. I mean, I think you can meet a terrible person in person too, you know? Like people always talk about like, oh, people on the apps, they're so terrible. And like those people exist in real life. They're out there. Something that also exists that I really like about the apps that isn't true about meeting somebody, let's say at a bar on your softball team. You don't know if that person is seeking someone to date in real life. On an app, I mean, sure, there are people pretending to be single who aren't, but I I think those are the minority. But you know that the person is seeking someone to date and you also know if you've matched with them, that they are interested in you. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah, so there's this like reduced barrier to entry in a sense versus this random person that you see in a coffee shop, in a bar, you know, wherever you might be out in your life. And you have to, before you even get to the part where you're gonna go on a date with them, you have to cross this major, jump over this major hurdle of are they interested in dating and do they like me? And are they single? Well, right. Yeah. I mean, are they single and are they interested in dating? It's like yeah. a, you know, yeah. cross section of those two things. And then the other part of what you were saying that w- comes across, I think, is how you, I guess, stop yourself going down that road of giving up on love, the anxiety around not meeting someone, you know, all the classics, is there no good ones left? Do you ever find yourself spiraling down those roads? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say spiraling, but I find myself sometimes thinking about that, you know, and, and I get, like I said, there are times when I get sad or lonely and I just, I give myself the grace to have those feelings because I think pushing through them and ignoring them is not a way to get them to go away. So I acknowledge that and, you know, kind of let myself, you know, feel my feels and then keep going. Like there's, you know, there's no, nothing changes if nothing changes is something, a phrase that I like a lot. And I think that that's super relevant in your dating life. If you're looking for a partner is that if you just keep doing what you're doing 
and don't actively look for it, then nothing is going to change. Yeah, I'm with you. And because for me, it just is a case and I decided it a long time ago. So I do think I've got this really natural interest in like happiness and well-being, what makes us happy. And so I decided quite a long time ago that my happiness isn't going to go into someone else's hands. And that goes, you know, that goes in all different areas, but it applies to relationships as well. Like I'm just not willing. I don't know how long my life is, you know, and I don't want to, to give something so precious up to what something that look, I do believe it will happen. Don't get me wrong. But for any argument's sake, someone might say you, you don't know or that uncertainty. Then I decided, I think I've said this a few times before, like, then I'm going to have a really good time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. Know? You're totally right. You're responsible for your own happiness. And, you know, if you if you want that happiness to include a, another person, then you're responsible for doing the stuff you need to do to meet that person. This is it. And then just a lot, another thing, <laughs> then I'm going to ask you these questions. Um, because you mentioned about the anxious attachment and anxiety and dating and things like that. Do you find it particularly more difficult with dating those early stages, that kind of thing? Or is that something you do feel like you've got sort of a handle on now? I'm definitely better at it than I used to be. Um, I don't know that it will ever be gone. I think I'm always going to have to continue to check in with myself on it and, you know, remind yourself, okay, are you feeling this way because they are doing something to make you feel this way? Or are you feeling this way because you're just, you're in your anxiousness right now, you know? And that's something that I constantly have to think about. I don't know if it's harder. I think it's hard both ways, anxious and avoidant in the early stages, because avoidant early stages, you, sometimes you don't ever get anywhere. Like I would imagine if I, if I were avoidant in the early stages of dating, like how do you ever get to the middle stages if you're avoidant? Like that seems like a really hard thing to overcome. Whereas an anxious attachment in the early stages, like I just need to check myself and then it's okay. I think maybe it's the difference between from with my anxious attachment, I think I often have to stop myself from doing something, saying something, feeling something that is fueled by anxiety. I think with avoidant attachment, you often have to push yourself to do something that might make you feel uncomfortable. And that yeah. actually, I think is harder. Well, this is the thing, because I, I always say this where primarily I talk of my anxious attachment, but it comes to secure and available people and um, that avoidant can absolutely come out all of a sudden. Yeah. Just like being in, the, certainly in the past, unavailable for that and just finding it unattractive, you know, how it yeah. is, the ick and all of these things. And actually it is like you say, having to, and, and it's difficult because I know that a lot of people listening to the podcast have this same kind of battle of chasing the unavailable, turn off by those that are available. And then you've got, is this person secure and I'm turned off? Or am I just not, am I just really not interested in them? Yeah. And that's a hard thing to balance. I often, I often think that I don't say this very, I don't really reply this way to people because it's rude, but I often think this when I get rude comments on my TikTok videos where like, I'll post a video about, you know, somebody cancels on you last minute and I have a script, I, I write text scripts for people. And so I'll write, I have a text script for when somebody cancels on you last minute. And it, it's, it's nice. It's assuming that there's a reason and that they actually want to go out with you again. Right. And people in the comments are like, 
don't show them you care that much. Like that's too available. Like that's, you know, you're coming across as needy. And I'm often thinking like, hmm, your attachment style is showing. Isn't it? It just, because like making the assumption that somebody that you're dating also wants to date you is is extremely secure. Agreed. Agree. Yeah. So true. Okay. So, (laughs) um, I'm just thinking my, my chair so so noisy um yeah. lo- <laughs> love what does it mean to you and has it changed for you over the years yeah it definitely has changed um I think that it used to mean this like all-consuming you know passion for somebody and somebody that like becomes your best friend and you're everything and it, and now it means something very different for me. And I think love means comfort and stability and not a lack of passion because I want that, but that's not the defining characteristic for me anymore. And I also don't expect or want my partner to be my best friend. I have a best friend. She's great. Like, I don't need my partner to do that for me. And I think that that is something that I've come to realize is that no one person is going to satisfy all of your needs, nor should they. And I used to think that love meant somebody who fulfilled every need. And I now realize that that's not the case. I am so proud to tell you this episode is sponsored by The Happiness Planner. This brand is one I have used personally for years. In fact, it is one of the very first journals I found when I started out on my own happiness journey. They offer a range of planners, journals, and different resources to help you on your journey of self-discovery. Their mission is in helping you gain awareness of self and of others, heal from past traumas, master your thoughts, emotional and behavioral patterns, and create a life where you feel happy, whole, and fulfilled. Now, if you know me and the work that I do, you will know how aligned that is with my own vision. So you can head to their website, thehappinessplanner.co.uk to check them out. And you can use the discount code LESSONSINLOVE, which will give you 10% off all of their amazing products. How How do you choose for you personally, which needs are the most important for you and which ones you're willing to, I don't know, is it compromise? Is it sacrifice? Oh, it could be compromise or sacrifice, right? Depending on how much that person's able to meet your need. Like there might be a need that somebody's able to meet you halfway on and then you're just compromising. There might be another one that they can't do at all and then you're sacrificing. But I don't know that that's a hard and fast rule for me for all of my needs. Like there have been relationships where, I mean, there are certain ones, like I need someone, I need to feel loved. Like that's a need that's not going anywhere and that I can't compromise on. I think probably everybody has that need. There are other needs that I think can shift depending on the relationship that I'm in of whether or not it, that one is getting met and whether or not I can compromise on it or sacrifice it because other things are so great and overcompensating for it. So you, you won't really know until you're in it. Yeah. And I think that having this really rigid framework of exactly the things that you need and exactly the things that you won't tolerate can get you into trouble. Mm. 
I mean, to an extent, I, there are absolutely, you should have certain things that you won't tolerate and don't deviate from that, but. Absolutely. And it's just, isn't it? It's, it's have being able to have that conversation with someone, you know, th- that you both know this need is unmet and I'm going to get that from elsewhere and, and vice versa. Right. So I, I think maybe that's the one need that I could never compromise on. There, there are others, but like one of the needs that I could never compromise on is the ability to talk to my partner about my needs and their ability, vice versa, to talk to me about theirs. Same. I, I couldn't believe, I mean, I can believe it happened, but I had experience where I got blocked, like blocked. <laughs> It was so, there was so many things. I would love to tell you about it. It was Anyway, it was so bizarre. My friend, and again, this would have been me in the past. And I told my friend quite mm-hmm. casually and she was like, mm, no, not on my watch. <laughs> she went into like absolute detective mode because they'd kind of lied about something. Anyway, they'd blocked me. Yeah. It was all their stuff. I've got no doubt about that. But for me, it was just a case of, I under, what I do understand is something was going on for you. But for me, it was just, you can't have a conversation. That's essentially what happened. And that's fine for me. That's a very clear sign. So yeah, I'm sure there's a time where I would have taken it really personally and made it about me. But for me, it was just like, you absolutely can't have a conversation. There's ghosting and there's blocking. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, either way. Does that happen? Apparently it does. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I don't think I've ever been blocked. Um, But I mean, maybe, and I just didn't know about it because I... But I think that you're so right that it t- you found out all that you needed to know by that person blocking you. And a lot of people will ask me, well, why did why did they do this? Or why, you know, why did they ghost me? Or why did they break up with me? Or, you know, and you don't need to know why. Like the why is not important. The important thing is that they did this thing, ghosting, blocking that you would not want your partner to do. You don't want to date somebody who would block somebody out of nowhere. You don't want to date somebody who would ghost someone. I do advocate for calling out ghosters. I have a text script for calling out somebody who's ghosted you, but it's not because you want to know why. There's no part of the script that asks why. The the point is that I think we as a society have accepted ghosting as an appropriate method of breakup. Even though we say we don't like it, when we ex- when we don't say anything if it happens to us we're silently accepting it mm. so that's the reason why I, I suggest that we call out ghosters it's like denormalizing that behavior so that people stop doing it. yeah that's so true because actually this person did end up getting in contact and saying they'll be in contact and they will explain everything <laughs> I can tell you I didn't reply but the, 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 look, there was this temptation to reply but for me it was just like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna educate you on this you don't need me to educate you on this but maybe you're right in the sense of of that reply but I don't know there was something in this where I was just like I can't please don't contact me again yeah and like everybody should you know absolutely maybe, uh, yeah. go with what they feel is going to be best right in in these scenarios but I just think the important piece is that it's not, it's not for closure and it's not because of finding out why. Yes. It's about just saying to somebody, Hey, what you did is not okay. And I hope that you will do better next time. And even just them having to hear, read those words, I I think is a win. Yeah. Well, maybe if they come back and give me their explanation, I'm going (laughs) to dating Mr. Height said. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
I love it. Yeah, it's so interesting anyway. But I sometimes think, again, sort of like, sorry, going back to business chat, you know, they say that you, we kind of get tested with what we're teaching on and think the universe will throw at you, like what you're doing, like that really seems to happen. And sometimes now, like, and it's probably just like, helps me get through it, is I just think, yeah, well, now, if anyone ever comes to me, and they've been blocked, I can help them. (laughs) I mean, I think that's one of the things that makes me good at giving advice is because I've been dating for a long time. And I've been often on single during those times. So I've had a lot of different, and, and, I've, and I've dated a lot of people. So I have a lot of experiences. If something's happened to you, I've probably experienced something similar. This is it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, interestingly, because I obviously spoke to my therapist about it, and um, it kind of transpired that it's kind of a good job, th- good job he did, because there's lots of things that I was not too sure mm-hmm. about, and I would have just carried on chatting. It just saved me time. Absolutely. Thanks, therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I think this is particularly true, like with dating and when anxiety is involved, you know, whether it's love, whether it's dating or when you like someone, it can be, it can just be the most amazing feeling, but it can also be the most painful. So when it does come in and take over and throw you off, how do you navigate through that? That's it's such a good question. I think I have spent a lot of time trying to get to a place where it doesn't take over. Where like, and that's the kind of love that I'm looking for is not the all-consuming, you know, butterflies in your stomach and you know, constantly like, oh my God, oh my God, I like this person so much feeling. That feeling has burned me time and time again. I don't want that. So I'm trying now as I start dating people and when I go on dates and trying to check in with myself on what kind of feeling is this giving me because butterflies are anxiety and we don't want that but when something starts to like fully overwhelm me and take over trying to like get myself that reality check and say like this is not a good feeling we don't like this yeah warning sign yeah yeah Yeah. I went through a a very tumultuous relationship last year that I, I talked about. I've talked about it a lot on my account and on the podcast, but uh, he goes by the oyster. Uh, well, he doesn't go by the oyster. I call him the oyster. Um, and we talked, we, we did a whole episode on love bombing a couple weeks ago on the podcast. It, it actually aired last week. And I talked a lot about my relationship with the oyster in 2020, which started out with this like all consuming fireworks type of feeling where like all day, every day I was consumed by it. And I thought it was this, you know, amazing dynamite thing. And it just turned into something totally toxic. Mm. At the time, do you have that little niggle? Yes, because I mentioned this on the episode as well. I was, so we, the timeline was incredibly quick. We went on our first date on a Thursday. And then within the next week, we'd been on two or three more dates and we were official by our fourth date, which happened within like a week of meeting. And then he told me he loved me a week after that. So it was extremely quick. And I found myself pre-justifying it to friends. So when I would tell them like, oh yeah, I have a new boyfriend. Oh yeah, like we said, I love you. But I know, I know it seems fast, but like, it just feels good. And like I, go, like, I was justifying it before they even said anything. And so that, in hindsight, that tells me that I did have a little voice in the back of my head saying like, this is probably not good. Yeah. And so when it comes to, what are you like with like rejection and things? 
I mean, it depends on the form of rejection and how it comes, but I, I tend to move on from it fairly quickly um, because I, you know, I don't want to date someone who doesn't want to date me. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, that sucks. Like, so the, the breakup I mentioned in 2019 that kind of spurred finding Mr. Hyde was the worst breakup I've ever been through. He broke up with me out of nowhere for me. Obviously it wasn't out of nowhere for him. He, I'm sure he'd been thinking about it, but I had no idea. I was obsessed with him. And I realized, I think through that breakup that although I didn't understand why, thought we were amazing and looking back on it, we were not, but thought everything was great didn't understand why he didn't want to be with me anymore. The fact of the matter was he didn't. And I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me. Do you have that kind of um, mindset and way of thinking in general, or have you had to teach yourself that? Because it's so helpful when it comes to dating. <laughs> and I, I think that I've learned it through life. So I, I've, I have, we actually haven't done an, an episode on attachment theory yet. We've got one coming up, but I feel that my attachment theory was born out of friendships in my childhood. So a lot of people think that like attachment theory, like your attachment style only comes from your parents or that, but that's not true in my opinion. Um, I think it can be from a lot of different things. And for me, my anxious attachment style, I am like, 90% sure be, came from unstable friendships in my childhood and feeling like I was rejected by friends a lot and ostracized and, you know, felt very lonely at times all through high school. And it happened again, a little bit in college. And I think that that actually taught me how to deal with rejection. Somebody saying, I don't want you in my life. Mm. Whether, although it was not a romantic relationship, a friend saying, although they were terrible communicators and so nobody actually said this to my face, but feeling like friends didn't want me in their life anymore, I think taught me a lot. Mm. I'm so glad you said that because it's so true about attachment theory, isn't it? And, and that kind of yeah, original belief, I guess, of it all coming from, from childhood. And I was, oh, not childhood, but from- um, From your parents. Yeah. Yeah. And I was having the conversation with a client yesterday you know, it's just sort of like looking back and, and actually I wonder when you were saying that, I was thinking, oh, we probably, whether we downplay, but the conversations about, well, what were your friendships like, you know, in childhood? I don't think I have that conversation enough. I think that's really good. Yeah. Really good thing to explore. I think so too. I, I want to do an episode on that. I, we actually just this week released an episode on how friendships impact your dating life, but we didn't quite get into that specific part of it because I think that your friendships are your first non-familial relationships that you have, you know, before you date anybody, you have friends, hopefully, and, or not. And if you don't, then that's forming things too. Yeah. But I think that 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 really formed for me how I relate to other people and how I think, how I feel that I'm seen and perceived. And those unstable friendships led to a lot of insecurities for me in thinking that I wasn't, you know, worthy of love and not in a romantic way, but in a people who aren't my family. Like my family is amazing. We're so close. I always felt extremely loved by them, but there's an, there's an element of like, well, yeah, 
they, they love you. They're your family. And I know that's not true for everyone. I'm very lucky that that is true for me, but I think that growing up and having the, these unstable friendships, it, it felt really difficult to me because it's like the only people who, who accept me are the people who kind of have to. I'm so pleased you've shared that because I just wonder how many people, yeah, probably feel a bit heard right now. So thank you for that. And yeah, it's definitely got, got me thinking as well. I certainly do know that when working with people, usually around like attachment styles, patterns, behaviors that they have, we very quickly, it starts to show in like friendships and, you know, however that is or other behaviors at work or whatever it might be. Um, But obviously it's just so intensified in those romantic relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And and I often say that the advice that I give can be applied to non-romantic relationships. People often ask when they see my tech scripts, they're like, can I use this on my friend? I'm like, absolutely. Like I would take out the part about not wanting a romantic connection with them, maybe. <laughs> but but yeah, you can absolutely utilize these for other relationships, family relationships, because communication is communication. Communication, that oh, that's everything. <laughs> That like uh, it, confidence in communication is just such a key part, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it all circles back to that. It all circles back to asking for what you want and not expecting it you don't. And it just showing who's on the receiving end, right? Yeah, and you know, a lot of people get upset for not receiving something they never asked for. And obviously, there are certain things that we shouldn't need to ask for, like basic respect. You know, but. <laughs> But more specific needs or, or desires that you have, if you don't communicate them, you can't expect them to be met. So I know that there's no like clear answer to this, but when it comes to dating and yeah, putting it on the line, what you want, are you of that school of thought of first date, get it out there, let's not waste time. Or are you of the school of thought, we take it a little bit slower than that? I try to be more in the take it slower category. I don't always succeed at that. I also think it depends on what we're talking about here. Like, let's say like kids, marriage, that kind of thing. That's probably what I get here the most fears around. I would say I take that a little bit slower. And that's not to say that I'm not going to mention it for months, but on a first date, do I need to know if this person wants marriage and kids? No, I do not. Because the problem is, is that when we ask those sorts of questions, they end up coming across like we're asking about, do you want those things with me? We're, it's really hard to ask that question and keep it general. And so I, I actually think that the answer isn't often that helpful because there, I think it, it is the rare person who is on a first date going to say like, no, I don't, I don't want to get married or have kids ever. Like that's a pretty rare person that would reply that way kudos to that person, but I think it's rare. So I don't see the reward. I think the risk is much higher than the reward with those types of questions too early on. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. And it's good just to hear that. Cause I know that I've listened, you know, podcasts and things like that, but I've listened to podcasts where it's, it's just the opposite, get it out on the first day. And of course there's stories where that person met someone through that. Um, and, and that's the thing. And I think it is, as, as you know, as well, and I'm sure 
that you, you have very similar experiences in the sense of that's kind of how you know who you're going to choose as your coach or who to follow isn't it is when does what they say resonate because yeah I might have advice where people are just like no <laughs> I'm telling them on the first date <laughs> I totally agree and I do think that there are ways that you can there are ways that you can speak to the things that you're looking for without saying to the person, do you want marriage and kids? Like that is a very interviewee, like too direct, I think, question or too specific of a question on a first date. Instead, let's say you're talking about, you know, I live in New York City. A lot of people ask like, oh, do you, do you ever see yourself leaving New York? Or, you know, people like to talk about that. I will often say something to the effect of like, you know, maybe at some point, you know, if I have a family, but then again, like I see kids running around Brooklyn and I think that would be really fun. And I kind of say things like that to indicate that I do see having a family as a potential part of my future. And if, if it's somebody who is very much against that, that's going to be a turnoff for them. And that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it is just sometimes like where conversation naturally flows or whatever it might be. So yeah, interesting, interesting. So you get to go back to any age and teach yourself a lesson in love. You're not allowed to say no regrets or that you wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> That's not true. So. <laughs> Most people are saying that. What would you, yeah, what would you say? I think that I would go back and tell myself, I don't know exactly at what age, maybe my early 20s, maybe my mid 20s, that love is actually something that you work on and grows and it's not something that just happens on your first date and then is just off and away from there because I think like I was saying before I think I used to think of love as this like smack you in the face explosion thing that when you fall in love now you're just you're you know you fall in love and now you're in it and now you just move along and rather than growing in love and working on it and growing with somebody. And I, that's not to say that I think it should always be hard work because that sounds like it sucks, but that there is some element of, of work and growth. Yeah. I think from speaking to you today, that idea of like the chemistry and like falling in love and quickly and all of those things, I definitely, yeah, just relate to that. There's a lot of similarities in that. And now that like I actually I didn't ever think this would happen but the thought of being like calm and regulated with someone is just like oh yeah I'm that that's what's good yeah you know and that's that's a really hard mindset shift to make and I I say this it's easier said than done I say this not dating anybody at this moment in time so you know it's not like I can sit here and be like yeah then I did this person and it's working out like I'm still working at that but that, that is now my gold standard and goal versus what it used to be. Yeah, I had this moment with my therapist again recently. And um, it was almost like I, I could feel that she could see the shift that I've made. Because rather mm. than her talking about me, like not being attracted to unavailable people, she was talking about, you know, that attraction to secure people. And she just said, she just said it like so clearly. She was like, you're going to know when it's someone secure. She said, it's going to feel really different and you're going to know. And I just thought it wasn't that when you know, you know, kind of feeling, but it was really, it was just so exciting. I was like, I am going to know. It's going to feel so different. It's going to feel yeah. like what once upon a time I might've thought was boring. And now that's exciting. 
I, I totally agree with you. Mm. You just kind of have to like try to flip that mindset to make that exciting. Like, oh my God, this person doesn't care at all that, that I know that they're interested. How great is that? That's so cool. It's so true, isn't it? And actually, I think even just through just, yeah, teaching myself like grounding and connection and safety and those kind of things is definitely making that a lot easier and more secure. So, and and I'm just hearing people say, I don't know if you, do you ever remember that moment when you would be like, well, well, what are you saying that I shouldn't have chemistry? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Like I, no one is saying that, that you shouldn't be attracted to the person you're dating like that, that's important but I think that that is not what makes a long-lasting relationship it is certainly a component of it and I, I certainly couldn't date somebody I wasn't attracted to at all that that would not work but I'm not saying that we shouldn't be attracted to somebody I'm saying that there are more important elements of how you grow in love than that and a relationship that is fully based on that you know, initial intense attraction, that where do you go from there? Like if you, if you start at this like amazing fireworks, you know, the only place to go is down only to go back up again. Like that's what makes a roller coaster relationship. Like the one that I had last year is that there's nowhere to go. So you have to go down and then you go back up and then it's amazing. And then you have to go down again. And that cycle just repeats. Yes. Oh, I love that. Love that. I'm definitely going to be directing people to that. Thank you so much. I could talk to you for honestly hours. I just think that from one single person to another in this <laughs> crazy dating world, like you're so honestly really, really inspiring. And I'm really pleased that your account exists. I have directed my friends that are single to your account and I know that they find a lot from it as well. And now hopefully people that listen to this podcast will experience that same yeah, inspiration from you. And just to say again, that even in this podcast, which I knew it would be just that authenticity, like, I don't know, it just seems so natural for you. It's, it's great. Thank you. This was such an amazing conversation. I love talking about this stuff. And I think I, I, I truly don't know how it took me this long in my life to realize that like, this is something that I want to talk to people about on a regular basis. And I'm just, I'm really grateful that, that this platform has become what it has. And then I get to have conversations like this all the time. Exactly. And yeah, it's a credit to you because it seems like you've, I can tell you have in some ways been doing it for years and years. Um, but now it's amazing that you're yeah offering that service to people because it's clearly a gift. So you. where can people find you? So I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Finding Mr. Height. Technically I'm on Twitter, but I don't really use Twitter. Um, and I have a website, findingmrheight.com, which is where you can find all my coaching options and our podcast, which is called Finding Mr. Height, the podcast, which is very consistent branding across the board. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so, so much. Thanks, Carly. This was so great. <laughs>